Welcome. Um, this is the first in a series of interviews I'm going to be doing the next eight weeks. Um, this is the first interview um, in a series I've called Real Clear Fetish Talks, Real Clear Play. Um, I will be joined by people who either are in recovery like me or drink socially but choose to be sober when they uh, play. Tonight I have, look at my notes, Chief Daddy Master of Instagram joining me. Um, I haven't seen him come online just yet. Um, but one of the reasons I wanted to do this is um, as someone in recovery, um, doing sober stuff can be difficult. Um, and I think it's 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 a good subject to sit and talk about to find out what works best and what experience someone else might have on this subject. So I'm I'm hoping that someone will get something out of it. Um, it's something I thought about doing for a while. Um, so I'm just hoping that people will watch and listen and hopefully found, find it interesting. Um, let me see. He's not on yet. Just wait a little bit. I did say I would talk a little bit at the start. A little bit about me is I'm in recovery. I've been in recovery um, coming up to three years this September. So I'm completely no drugs, no alcohol, no puppers either. Um, which, when you've gotten used to doing sex with stimulants, can be very, very difficult um, to do without. Uh, so this is kind of my way of maybe just hoping to show people that it is possible to have a sober life um, and and actually enjoy fetish still. Uh, so, a little bit about my story is, is three years ago, um, well, more than three years ago, because I've had a couple of relapses whilst in recovery, um, I had a complete an utter breakdown from it, uh, from the drug taking, and I needed to change something. And that was back in 2016. Um, and now I've gotten to a point where I want to enjoy my fetish, but there's still a lot of things I have to relearn, boundaries I have to keep. Uh, and that's just a simple fact to keep myself safe. Um, so it's, it's, it's a bit of a journey. It's a bit of um, trial and error. Um, but I'm definitely starting to enjoy my fetish life more. Um, I'm a lot more happy than I used to be. Uh, so, Let's see, is he online yet? No, he's not there yet. So, so I've in invited a couple of different people in the next coming weeks. Um, Hopefully I can get it to be at the same time as now in the next eight weeks, but with different time zones and locations, some of them might change a little bit from time to time. So let me just see where...
my guest is. There he is. Let me just connect to um, Chief Daddy Master from the States. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. I just got I just got your invite to this uh, after you sent your Facebook message. Fair enough. Fair enough. I couldn't see you on the online list. Uh, I've just kind of done an introduction to what um, these interviews are for. I could just see a cattail there. <laughs> yes, um, I, I, for, for you know, uh, it is a very loyal sub. I just moved from three chairs trying to get her out of the way, and she's insisting. <laughs> well, it gives a little bit more interesting um, viewing. I'm, I'm sure getting a pussy on camera. Yes, uh, indeed. So I've just been telling a little bit about the people watching what this is about. It's more like from my background story, it's about me being sober and sober sex can be sometimes very difficult. Um, just to start with, what do you prefer to be called like name pronouns or titles? Uh, I'm, hi I'm him, his. Um, people can call me daddy. Daddy. We'll daddy. stick with that then. That, that's easy to remember. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, I'm originally from New York City. Uh, my leather journey began in the 70s, in the heyday. Um, I went to the Ramrod on West Street, just off of Christopher. Uh, my first encounter with leather was walking into that bar and ordering a drink and having this gorgeous guy in uniform show up and say, this is your first time in a bar, isn't it? And as I said, no, and shook, my, <laughs> and shook the scotch out of my glass, uh, he said, come with me. Well, uh, went with him and his boy who was trying to stab me with his eyes. And he took me to another, and he took me to another, to another bar where he said, you will be safer here. And that was my first encounter. I was like, I think I'd be safer in your apartment, sir. But that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> uh, a few years later, when I entered university, I discovered the mine shaft and um, went from there. Uh, roommate just came in. Uh, and... Um, you know, I have been on my leather journey ever since then. Um, you know, through New York, through that horrible time um, at the beginning of AIDS, uh, 
an underground leather community in Israel, which is now thriving, as I understand. Mm -hmm. And um, for myself, um, I had in my younger days have had experiences of playing in a non-sober environment and did not like that. And I actually come from a background of addiction. Right. So, it actually comes to my next question, um, which is a question I will ask in every interview. Uh, completely sober, clear-headed, or social drinker? And I know, in fact, you're a social drinker, but you play sober. Co correct. Yeah. I, you know, a as a sir, I take it very seriously of my job to read the signs. Mm -hmm. And subspace is enough of a sign to read with an individual, uh, especially a new individual when you're at MAL or something like that, much less to try to have to consider the effects of alcohol and drugs and how they'll play with that individual. Especially when you're, when you're flogging somebody, you're single-tailing somebody, you're fisting somebody, I need to have those reactions. I need to know that that person's going to, that that person, that I can read that person might be, I may be taking them too far. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, um, that really came into uh, clarity for me, this MAL, uh, where several people passed because of, they're mixing uh, Viagra and other drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Uh, along with a friend of mine who uh, I think he's now sick. He's about a year sober. Who told me, you know, that you know he was on crystal meth specifically so he could be fisted. Mm. And I really said, "Have you ever tried to work with somebody to properly train to train your whole?" to see if you can or you cannot take this. There are things that I'm, I hope that I'm not going to ruin it for everybody. But I, you know, I love porn too. I love the porn stories as well. But yeah. then there's the reality. And a perfect thing happened with my slave, who's a little older, you know, oh, sir, I want to sleep on the dog bed. Well, one, one night I did have him sleep on the dog bed. The next day, you know, several a leave and a chiropractor visit fixed that. So, you know, every, you know, it, I'm all there for the fantasy because that's part of what uh, oh, the, attracts the biggest, us. The but biggest, you have the to mix the fantasy truly the with brain, the reality. Yeah. And if, if, if my fit, if you've been trained properly and whatnot, and my, and the fist is not fitting into your ass, maybe as much as you like that, that isn't the thing. Maybe your body's trying to tell you something. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's um, actually the fourth question. And that will just kind of set us off on what we can sit and talk about is, is what is clear play to you? Would you've already kind of branched a little bit into and why is it important which you've all also talked a little bit about for coming from like you you mentioned about your friend uh who couldn't be fisted without crystal meth um it's a very much <laughs> echoes with me 
I've been fested. I've never really enjoyed it, even on drugs, but I've done it, but I've only done it whilst high. I'm not adverse to the idea, but I've never been able to enjoy it. I've never done it with the right person. Mm -hmm. I would be happy to explore it with someone further down the line when I'm ready for that. I've always been a top fister anyway. I've done that since my start 20s. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's such a, it's so, it, it can go so wrong if it's not done right. Um, and that's where the connection is. You can't have someone who's completely rolling off their tits and not sit, sending you the right signals at the time. And, and the same thing, you know, as with the sub, the dom needs to be trained as well. I mean, before I really, I've, I went to a lot of classes and worked with people who were experts at taking a fist, who worked with me of how to do this correctly and how to give a sub who can do this pleasure from that mm. versus somebody who thinks fisting is, oh, I just stick my fist and I just punch it out. You know, that's yet another category of the play. Absolutely. So, and it, it, so it, it's, it's education on both sides. It, it's education on both sides. You know, when I take on somebody new, you know, forgetting even about this thing, but just any kind of ass play, that I actually buy them something. We're, we're in that place where you're going to be a boy to me. Uh, even if you're not a local boy, I have a set of plugs that I get them from Mr. S that I have a training schedule that I give them. And I tell them, this is how you're doing it. And I want you to give me your diary of which one, how long, all of that to say when I'm going to take you to the next one. And those boys that have followed that have had success with it. And we've, slowly move them up to the point of then saying, well, how many fingers? And, and that's it. It's, it's part of a process. I, th I think, especially when, when you like talking to people who are in recovery and, and the, the, the notion you get is because of drugs and your sense of sensibility kind of goes out the window, you get very greedy and and I'm definitely one of those people when I've, when I've been in a bad place. Um, not, not to say that at some stage, it probably, I've, I've had fun with it. It wasn't all bad. I'm not going to pretend mm -hmm. that none of it was, everything was horrible. It, it wasn't. I had good, very good sessions on drugs. But it's definitely like when, when you end the session and you almost can't sit for three days because you've gone too far, too mm -hmm. fast. I, I have been in situations where the person I was with got impatient and forced it. Mm -hmm. And that's not good practice. And that definitely also ended the session very quickly. Sure. Because the impatience in, in when you're high as well. No, absolutely. Um, at MAL, um, I belong to a group that is a hot ash and prolapse group. And we had a fit, we had an off-site fisting cigar party. Mm -hmm. And there was somebody in there, I mean, hot as anything, his partner tried to fist him and he kind of scratched him. He hadn't taken care of his nails. And I, and I just said, and, but I could see he really wanted to be fisted. And I talked to him 
And I started, I started, I started, and he said, sir, you are comfortable, but where he scratched me is really hurting. And I'm like, we're done. But you see, that's the kind of communication you need to have, especially if you're at a party and you're, shall we say, the, you know, the piñata of the party. <laughs> you know, so if you're going to yes. have so many, if you might have two, three, four fists, at a certain point, you know, not everybody understands the grooming technique that needs to happen. And you need to be careful of that. Yeah. I've, I've been at parties and it's not necessarily something I'm proud with. I've, I've been to parties with a friend of mine who's also a puppy I initiated uh, way back. Um, I've, I've, I've been master top and, and, and so on. And I've initiated him into puppy clay. And I took him to a party as a puppy, but I got very, 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 very drunk. And mm -hmm. it ended in tears, literally, because I wasn't reading his signals. He got more frustrated with me and he literally started barking at me because I was not being a good master mm -hmm. to him because I was not all there. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's so important to not completely lose your sensibility and, and kind of be able to read the boy or the sob or the, the puppy because it's, it's, not, it's not good play anyway. I, I agree. And, you know, I, again, I'm, I guess the reason, you know, when you, you know, I have three, I was introduced as chief, ma chief daddy master, because I do have, I do have a boy and I do have a slave. And I used to be the chief of the uh, Mid-Atlantic Uniform League. But that explains daddy, honestly, under all of that, daddy really runs deep for me. And whether we're going to play at a party because we've met eyes and we want to play or you're somebody that I have an ongoing play relationship with or you're my boy, I take very seriously my responsibility of caring about you mm -hmm. and being, and as I said, reading the signs and quite frankly, if it's somebody who I don't know, I, I give them say I give them the traffic signal safe code word because I don't know you. I don't know how to read your signals yet. And if they say, well, I don't need that, I said, I do. So you'll use it. Yeah, and it's, it's so important. And, and you, you talked about fantasy and reality are two very different things. Um, one big thing for me, especially when I was still using, was the whole fantasy around what if we did this and this and this? And it was mm -hmm. just like more and more and more and more and it more um, um, out there stuff. And it's about just kind of just taking it back a little bit. Look at it. It's like, how do you actually feel about it? Um, in early recovery, maybe like the first six months, I had a session with this very beautiful muscle skin head, like taken out of a porn film. Mm -hmm. But because he didn't know me and he didn't know my backstory or respected some of my boundaries it made me feel uncomfortable for like maybe three days after it just fucked with my head mm -hmm. and it was not a nice feeling because it's like that was not what i wanted i was really into it at the time i was almost so into it i was hyperventilating and i had to take breaks because i was just excited because it's been so long mm -hmm. but it fucked with my head so much that I spent three days after 
recovering from it. And that's not good practice. No, it really isn't. And um, I know people who, you know, will move away from fisting from a, to the pain level. I've got a very good friend who goes to Inferno and he can really take it. Um, I'll have to share, share this with you, a picture of his ass on the fourth day after Inferno. Oh, I, I, oh, I, I could show you a picture of my ex. He's yeah. So you know, it and goes it, from and black. But to, but to again, purple. once again, let's remember, you know, without turning it into something completely boring. People may have medical histories. People may have a certain issues. A friend of mine just recovered from a blood clot. I, you know, you kind of need to know how far can you go. And they need to know, they need to be able to tell you how far you can go. And I know we're kind of repeating ourselves a bit with this, but this is my, but this is my, it is this, is my really, this is really it. The other part of it now, let's go back to the fantasy, is for the people who I'm playing with, I want to be your aphrodisiac. I want your, that your desire to serve me is the thing that opens up your hole, that mm -hmm. lets you take, that lets you take, you know, a couple of more uh, slaps of the spanker or a couple of more hits from the single tail or one, because I want to try to see if we can build that energy circle of your pleasing of me, making me want to please you and that that energy is what makes the play hot. Yeah. And, and without a third party in in it with with that type of connection i've talked to subs before where i was like i'm i'm gonna make your ass red but you're gonna enjoy it and they're like oh i'm not that much into pain it's like well i'm not gonna just start beating you that's not how it works mm -hmm. you slowly build it up you you want to engage with the head you want the head to follow with you mm -hmm. and, and make them crave it to please you and that in itself can be a natural very natural high there's nothing better when when you've served someone and you kind of afterwards you you do the recovery mode of it and it's that sense of uh, accomplishment you get i had a scene at iml a few years ago with somebody that just the way the energy went it almost was afterwards, you know, uh, after the aftercare, we went down and we ate like pigs because, and because we were both so satisfied and neither, neither of us came. Oh, yeah. We didn't need the actual orgasm to satisfy us because we were able to reach that, that plateau. And I'm like, I'm famished. Why am I famished? And it, it, it was like, wow, this is really good. Well, and so I could see why people get on crack. Well, I don't know if it's, it, this is what I, my experience, especially becoming sober. I spent so many years going home from 
all sorts of places with all sorts of guys never coming because you can't fucking come on drugs. Right. And so now it's not that important to me. It never has been important to me I'm, as, as either bottom or top. I don't necessarily have to come. I enjoy if someone else comes, mm -hmm. but for me, that's more enjoyable. It, it's mm -hmm. not a priority for me to come. No, my boy is the same way. I mean, my boy is more disappointed if I don't come than if he doesn't come. And he's like, and he said, I remember the first time because I, it was a bit weird. And he just said to me, Daddy, I came by making you come. Yeah, that's, I exactly get that feeling. I've, I've had people fuck me and when they've come, I'm just like, I'm actually fine now. I'm perfectly fine. And they're completely baffled by it. It's like, are you sure? I, I would want something now if, if it was me. I was like, no, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. I don't need mm -hmm. any more than that. I also think, you know, again, being a bit older and having um, some health issues back in my 40s, a genetic issue was mm. discovered because I kept within two years, I hit four blood clots. Right. And that has affected sometimes my performance about fucking. So even though I might fuck somebody or we might have a session, you'll get fucked about five times for about eight minutes apiece. And, you know, you, you have to have somebody that you can communicate about that with and find the ways of satisfaction that don't equate to those type of things to, to coming or or basically the things that we all kind of thought about in a porn fantasy or when we were doing one. Well, it's it's you say medical. It's it's for me. It's because um, I have like I suffer with anxiety and, and mild depression. So I take anti uh, anti anxiety medication, which affects your, okay. libido. it sure. affects you how you can come stuff like that. I'm very honest about it. But mm -hmm. it does mean my sex drive very comes in, in waves. And mm -hmm. it's, it's much more I'm much more into a connection, having a connection with a person than full blown fucking from the start. It's that's just not that's one of the things with the medication is just I'm much more into socializing and then engaging in some play and see how, where it goes instead of anonymous hookups. I, I have really grown out of the anonymous hookups um, from, for a few reasons. One is the inconsistency of them. Mm. You know, you've, you've worked, you've work worked, you've it. worked, and then like 20 minutes, oh, no, you know, all of that. It's like, okay, you know what, kids... I don't have the time for that. Um, two, um, just it's too much work. It is, yeah. And, Spending and, time on those apps or where wherever you find people, and it just, ugh, it's it's a yeah. lot of work. Right, and and for me, you know, being freaking greedy, I have a slave, and I've got a boy who are available <laughs> to me. You, with, greedy, you know, I'm which lucky. has been, we, you know, which has made me a very very rich person during COVID because I know people who aren't, don't have that and, you know, are just I, I, about to blow their minds off. I, I, I live on my own. Um, London has been the hardest hit city in Europe. So it's been very, I'm, I'm tentatively 
starting to socialize again. But it's very like, you kind of start thinking about stuff like, or you can't actually start kissing someone randomly because right. you might catch it from this person. And so that's a bit of, and I have to be careful. I'm an asthmatic. I don't want to get it, to be honest. Uh, you know, and those are the kinds of things that you really have to think about. Nor do you want to be responsible for someone else who you don't yes. understand what their health considerations are. Like one of the things that turns out, I have a friend who works at the CDC, if you're diabetic, you're at a very high risk to contract mm. it. Um, and I don't want to be responsible for that. Um, but, you know, you're right. I, I have also found uh, we're having next weekend, if the weather holds, we're ha because we have two acres of land here, we're having a social distancing cocktail, uh, which will be both basically soda because you can't drive in New Jersey with a drink. Of course, uh, you can't anywhere. <laughs> right. And cigar and cigar thing where the where the chairs are placed within six feet distance, but mm -hmm. these are all friends of ours, and it's like you know we're blessed to have that land. Why don't we all come together and visit with each other, and and do this? So, um, you know, I think the thing that you learn both being. Um, plain and sober, being older, all of the various factors is you take, BDSM I think is a very creative, it's something creative. We, we have it because we didn't want to have the same old, same old that yeah. vanilla sex can offer something. What's that? I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, it's, it's there. It can be, it can definitely yeah. be there and you can mix it, and especially if you can mix both of them, it can be it could be uh, wonderful. But part of it is your creativity, creativity of the scene. Because if not, it's just throwing a flogger against something. I could throw it against the back. I could throw it against the wall. We all, it's, you have to make something creative about, about it. Uh, you know, for myself, my, with my slave, he's a football fan. And we were watching, I was not, but every time his team made a play, you know, another finger went up his ass. <laughs> Especially since his team was playing against the team of my city. <laughs> so, you know, it was just, it would be, you know, you, you, you take all of that and you just try to be, and you try to be creative. And you, you can be creative. You can be a bit silly. You can, you, it's, it's, I think sometimes I think, some people take it a little bit too serious. So it should also be a, a, a percentage of fun, a little bit of play, a little bit of cheek. Um, I, I told him today, we watched, he wanted to watch this back in the 40s, you know, the movies had these, you know, uh, basically like Superman serials, you know, you know, different chaps. So we watched one, uh, Terry and the Pirates. It's absolutely hard. But I told him, you know, down in the, we put a TV down in the playroom for porn. I said, I could put that on and you could decide which one you're going to have, the single tail or watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, sometimes that's the whole thing is that it, by playing clean and sober, to come back to the subject, yeah, yeah, yeah. it allows yeah. your head to be inventive in 
on the spot and that it allows you and your partner to hopefully ride that together you know how am i how am i doing this you know the step by step or what if we take a turn because well you know as we just discussed sometimes the physical uh issues maybe something doesn't work out so how do we work out how do we work that out to still have fun and have a good time? Because what we planned, well, maybe that didn't work out. So how do we still have fun? And, and you can only, I'm sorry, I think you can only do that clear-headed. Absolutely. And, and there's definitely situations where I've been in where um, it was very questionable what some of the stuff I got up to because I was just not compass mentis. I, I'm, I'm, and... It, if if I could tell you I'd never been raped on drugs, I wouldn't be able to tell you because mm -hmm. there's probably quite a few bits that was done without consent. And mm -hmm. it's, it's, that's scary. That is scary to me, but I have no recollection of it. So I can't really say I claim trauma of it. It's just something in my past and it probably did happen. Um, and I understand that, you know, I, I was put in a situation as a child where I needed to be in control mm. all the time from the time I was eight years old. So if somebody was to ask me, what is my biggest fetish? It's being in control. Mm. And I won't, I won't put myself in a situation uh, with people I don't know where I will not be in control. Now, that being said, I've been, you know, when I started out in leather, I was a boy. I, I even tried my turn at being a slave that mm -hmm. failed miserably. <laughs> but I always want, but I was a good, but I, I was a good boy. I learned from several people. I learned what to do, what not to do, because I kept my eyes and ears open till the point where I was comfortable enough to take on the Dom role. And I just, but to learn that you you have to be present. Yeah, I I think one of the things uh, I used to be a puppy to two uh, sirs or um, mommy and daddy as I call them now, but mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm still very good friends with them. One is a rubber guy, one is a lever guy, and I used to be their puppy. And one of the things they always installed in me was this like tip. The way we take care of you, take care of the next one. That is what you need to put forward. I've I've been even even high. I've been in saunas where I've seen someone in trouble, and all their friends have disappeared. But I'll pick them up, cool them down, make sure they're breathing properly, um, and and that has always been installed in me. If if I see someone struggling, someone slightly younger than me, uh, not as much experience, I'm happy to help out. I'm happy to advise. But that's, of course, only my experience. I don't talk for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. And that might, I still have loads of things I could learn. And I'm still relearning a lot of things as well. But I, I know what my experience is. If anybody says in this world that they're the expert, that they've got the entire book down, that's the time that should be your time to say that's wonderful and go the other way <laughs> yes i yes, mean absolutely. because there's two because i almost look at this 
funny enough, I look at this like a superstore. You know, there's aisles and aisles and aisles and aisles of things. And then in that aisle, let's take Impact Play. Mm. There's different brands of that. And you can't say that brand A and brand B are the same. No. You know, and, and also how that person uses brand A and brand B. So to say, oh, well, this is the one true way. I'm like, eh, maybe not. And, and especially considering I have both my boy, my boy is 52. My slave is 66. I tend to prefer older boys and slaves. Mm-hmm. Because the thing that turns me on the most is having a capable, knowledgeable man who still says, I want to give you, I want to give over to you. I want to be submissive to you. And I'm always accept that submission with instilling in them, even the slave, they still have their own power. They're mm-hmm. still able to say to me, sir, you know, yellow, time out, something's not working. Because I can't say that I want this person without giving them their voice. And one of the things that I think I see a little bit, you know, addiction is it's such a big subject I don't want to get into that but I see a lot of uh, younger men who are walking into this part and they accept that this is the way it needs to be mm-hmm. even when it's not safe for them and thinking that's ha- that they don't have a voice and for myself as a sir I want every sub that I play with to know that this is a safe place to have a voice if something is not working. And that is different than you directing the scene, but you have a voice if you are uncomfortable. Yeah, I've, I've talked to, to boys online where we've gotten into like, oh, I want to do this, da-da-da-da, and we kind of go through the whole scenario they want to play out. And then we come to maybe the chemsex bit of it and I realized actually there's an issue here and I'm happy to turn it from no we're not playing but here is my experience this is where you can go to get help and I'll happily support you but it will be a non-sexual way because that's not what the person needs especially Mm -hmm. here in London or Europe chemsex is such a big issue such it's a huge big issue. Um, so for me, it's very important, especially when younger guys do contact me on the different apps, kind of going, I don't know how to get out of this. And I was like, okay, this is my experience. This is what I've done. It's not necessarily gonna work for you, but try these things and see how you feel. Um, and sex is a bit part of that. How do, you, how do you practice fetish sex or sex in general without the drugs when you've gotten so used to them they're intertwined with it that Mm -hmm. was my biggest problem when i started trying to stop was my sex drive was connected to my cravings for for chems or drugs Mm -hmm. um 
so I had to literally step back from fetish for like almost two years mm -hmm. to rediscover how I feel in my fetish gear because there was so much anxiety around it. Um, just like the smell of rubber at one point could trigger me. Mm -hmm. And that's an awful feeling because it's something I love. I love fetish. I love the masculinity of it. I love how it makes me feel when I wear it. But when you feel like it's your Achilles heel, it's an awful feeling. A absolutely. And, you know, there are times that you have to... Um, I guess you have to retrain yourself. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to go back to a bit of a personal thing. You know, I did tell you that, you know, I come from a background of addiction. Mm -hmm. uh, both my mother and my brother are schizophrenic. And they use various forms of medication, you know, to help with whatever, you know, before they were diagnosed. Yeah. And understanding that I had a childhood based on that, I was always aware that that could be passing on to me. And at one point, I actually think I was starting to get in trouble with alcohol. It, I think I was, I was at a job I hated. I was at a bar and I found myself twirling my cocktail napkin into my seventh margarita. <laughs> and I'm like, okay now. And I was also going through breaking up a bad relationship it was just yeah. things were coming and i finally said you know what fuck this and this is just me that what works for me does not going to work for everybody else but i said you know what we're going to tear it down and we're going to build it back up and for myself i i stopped drinking i didn't have anything for about four years i didn't um i Quit school for about six months, put myself into therapy, and I cut off my family and I started to build who I was. Mm -hmm. And also for a little while, I had to cut off play, fetish play too, because, you know, again, I was a bottom that I found certain play triggered my childhood. And I was scared for a while that a as a bottom, it would trigger, and that my actually beating something might trigger me wanting to beat something. Mm. And so I made, I tippy-toed back into it yeah. before I was comfortable. In fact, I did something a few, about three years ago. I have a very good friend who is an expert with Singletail, and knowing I was wanting to get back into it, I wanted to prove to my boys that I understood how it felt since it had been many years. I asked my friend to single tail me. And I told him, you know, where we were going and what I was doing. And I, after the session, I sent pictures to the boys. But I said, even more so, you did much more for me. Because I could play that way. I could take it. And it didn't trigger anything from my childhood. Yeah. And I said, I'm clean to play this way. And yeah, it's it's especially when 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 I'm when I talk to fetish people who are in early recovery, it's 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 a very 
delicate period, especially the first year. It's always very delicate. And I, I try to be as honest with them as possible that you, there is a risk you might have to step back from this for a while to relearn a couple of things. Um, I think sex is very important, but when you're drug taking and so integrated into your sex drive, it's very difficult to balance these things and and make sure that it's safe. Um, but that's where talking to someone who's might been through it or um, you can go to 12 step meetings or uh, smart recovery, whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. um, and and I get very jealous of, of what you have in the States when it comes to like fetish recovery. It's such mm -hmm. a big thing over there. You have lore, you, um, you have meetings at IML um, and, and, and it just seems like there's such a big community of sober, proud fetish men in the States compared to here. But then again, the chemsex scene here is relatively new. It's, it's only maybe like five, six years it's really be become came on the radar of being an issue. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's. I get very jealous when I when I talk to some of the people of my group on Real Clear Fetish, where it's like, oh, I'm going to the meeting in full lever. I was like, oh, you can do that. Great. I was like, if I do that in my meetings, oh my god, I'll trigger half the people in there. That's not going to work. Right, and 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 it just comes into that beginning that beginning stages of every of of everything else, you know. Of I guess I think of it as this way, and uh, I'm glad I explained this. Mm -hmm. Is that. I've allowed set, you know, at one point, because again, of the childhood issues, I let sex use me. I didn't use sex. Yeah. And I found very early on sex, I sex was a way to get attention. Instead, um, it being something pleasurable and having a connection and all of this stuff. And um, taking those couple of years away from certain things and then building it back was I chose. And that's the thing that, again, you know, I think we're coming from the same perspective mm -hmm. is learning that how to, instead of letting things choose for us, we're choosing it. We have, we're taking back our power and choosing what we want versus allowing history, uh, chem, or whatever choose for us. And I guess that's my big encouragement to whether people are having an, are having uh, a chem issue or an alcohol issue or just an esteem issue. Yeah. Because there are so many people who are coming into this community who are coming in to find esteem that of promoting your own individual power. And you choose. And it's okay, even in a, if there was ever, a, if I ever heard Dom say, no, you're a slave, you're a boy, uh, you don't have the right, I'd swear I'd punch him out. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's most slave have it's like this notion of totality that they have nothing to say and they just have to say yes sir and no sir and how high sir. Yeah, it's it's mm, that's just that just screams bad master in my ears. No. And I'm and I'm been becoming very involved with and we're thinking about here in the states when this. You know, uh, I used to live in Las Vegas, mm -hmm. and all the casinos had this pamphlet that said, "When the fun stops, when does it become yep. from gambling, from playing to an addiction?" Well, the same thing in our lifestyle is, when does it go from being play to being abuse? Yeah, it's it's a very very fine line, and as our lifestyle has become. More popular, um, there are a lot of people who are coming into it that you know they would have a problem in any lifestyle, but they're coming into it because it's hard, it's easier to hide behind. Mm. I definitely like I've I've had people tell me um, I I'm very much an introvert. It's something I've very much discovered as a sober person. I like my own company. I'm not big, good with big crowds and so on. But I have had people tell me, as soon as I put my lever on, my posture changes, my attitude changes, my confidence changes. It is, it is my armor. It's, it is something I can kind of, well, as you say, hide a little bit behind. Um, but it's, it's just heightening something that's inside me, which is just a bit difficult when you're wearing cotton. Uh, for me. Well, it's the same thing as a suit. Absolutely. You know, oh, I love wearing you know, suits. I look or very smart in a suit. In fact, um, I completed my MBA in October, and I wore under my graduation gown, my, my, I wore this, I wore my leather uniform. I wore boots. Fantastic. And I actually have a picture of me outside the gown, but having the cap on. <laughs> in full leather. Fantastic. And had pictures taken in front of all these people who came from all over, seeing me in full leather, because I did this for me. This is mm -hmm. my authentic self. And I won't, al I won't allow that. Uh, I won't allow anybody else to tell me when or when not to be my authentic self in mm -hmm. my own private whatever obviously you know there have been times i've definitely wanted to go to the office in full leather because some of my employees could sure use it <laughs> and i i definitely have worked with co-workers or clients who i'm like if i only had my flogger <laughs> <laughs> you probably get hr on you right away of course it would but the, but you know i'm just like but you really damn, damn you yeah. could use a good spanking but you know so um we all have we all have our face. And at the same time, we can use that. We could use it, you know, uh, if, if you were a child with scoliosis that you had this back brace to help you. We could use it as our back brace till we build our confidence mm, that, can, that I still feel like the daddy, the sir, the dom. I can be in cargo shorts and a t-shirt and sneakers. Yeah. It this does not make me the dom. 
and it just you know, it just heightens it, I guess. Yes, no, I agree. I agree, and I'm just saying. But I think that's also something that helps. If it helps you with that control, it helps you with your esteem because you can. I can carry the memories of what wearing this mm -hmm. um, feels like into those t that t-shirt and cargo shorts, or into a certain situation. Absolutely. And and that uh, I'm currently in the middle of a job hunt, and in my interviews, I pretend I'm wearing full leather That's to so help true. give me the confidence to do those interviews and not feel and not feel in and not and feel on an equal level. I might use that in my next next interview. That might actually work. No, um, it, it, it real it really is. And you know, and some and again taking the power of I, I had a interview where I was supposed to meet a team and only myself and the person who first interviewed me were on the video call. And I said, I thought we were having a video Well, you know, they choose not to. And I said, You're telling me a lot about the team then. And no, no shit that I didn't get the job, but I felt like if we're having this, why why not? Yeah, it's it's. I'm, I'm mindful of the. I'm mindful of time. Um, is there any like, you you live in in Washington D.C. Right? I, I I split my time between Washington D.C. and New Jersey, but I do have to mention this comment that somebody said that they that we've just encouraged them to do the same thing, but only at their performance review. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Um, but it's in in um, I know like the big events. Uh, M A L M A L Middle. I should really know the names now. That's in D.C. How how would you navigate or tell someone who goes into like that type of situation, and there you there's probably going to be chemsex at such a place. Do you have any advice on how you should navigate that? Should you go with someone who's been before stuff like that, just to round it off? I would recommend them doing it as if they were a newbie. Sorry, say again. I, I would, I would, I would, I would recommend that they go to these things as if they were completely new to leather. This is their first. You may have gone to leather events before. Consider this your first leather event. Mm -hmm. And yes, go with your friends who are sober. Go to make sure you've got them around you. Because, of course, events, and I'm sure the same thing at Folsom Berlin and at London events, there's always, there's always booze. I mean, it's one of the ways they make money, let's face it. Yeah. So forget even, let's, let's just go away from camp, from uh, drugs for a second. There's alcohol. Mm, yeah. So how, so, and there's tables and tables and tables and tables to buy tickets for alcohol and things like that. And be there with somebody, at least your first time. And get through a couple of events with your friends. And then, okay, try and, try and judge yourself to say, I'm ready to, that I can go to that table and only get a soft drink ticket. Yeah, and it's, it's I so important. Go, I can go to this party and understanding I can't control what other people do. I can control what I do. And I think that's really, and in fact, you can walk around me, Slick. 
uh, that you, I think that's the same thing. You know, let's, I kind of take, again, the daddy piece. It's like riding a, tri a bicycle. Yeah. You know, put on the train wheels. There's nothing wrong with that. And when you're, when you're ready, say, I'd like to try this myself. Mm. And then why don't we even come up to agree, let's talk in an hour and see how you do it. Absolutely. It's, it's such, um, I've been in situations where I've gone to clubs or parties where I have people I can check in with just to make sure. I, I think my first like big event in London, the biggest trigger was staying there named the queue for the toilets because I knew what I would normally do in those cubicles. I would be snorting mm -hmm. something. And that was a big trigger point for me, but I could just grab one of my friends and go, I'm feeling a bit unsure. I'm a bit shaken can we just have a pause and just talk about it? And that's so important. It's, it's so important to have a security net. I, I agree. Remember we went, we were discussing earlier about when we were talking about this thing, people trying to force it in. Yeah. Well, the same thing here. Yeah. Don't force it in. You can have, you, you know, we talk about in the leather community and I'll throw that big term out. But the leather community is little villages. And they're the little villages of, of your mates, of your leather family, of people who respect you and all of that. And use that. Absolutely. They're there for you. They're there for you. They care about you. And if you're new to this and you don't have anything or you're really new to this, and, you know, I know that some people that maybe while they were using may have burned some bridges. Yeah. Look for the people, look either for new people you can be honest with or people who have forgiven you and say, I need your support. Yeah. And, and reach out. Most importantly, reach out. Say Absolutely. what you need. Say what you need. Because we can't be there for you if we don't know because at the same time you know we don't we don't want to ruin someone's fun and we don't want to be hovering and all of those other things what do you need what do you need from me and i can give that to you brilliant i i want to say thank you very much for coming and doing this with me it's been such so educational there's so much knowledge i'm sure we could talk for two three hours more but well i look forward being reminded now that we are running out of time not a problem uh, i look forward thank to you so you. much for doing this it's been an honor to talk with you i look forward to meeting you as well as the other members of the group once we can all meet again yes yeah, that would be lovely thank you very much for joining in danny that's been great to talk to you take care bye okay bye So this was the first episode of uh, Real Clear Fetish Talks, Real Clear Play. Thank you for watching. Um, Chief Daddy uh, Master was a joy to have on. And thank you very much for um, making this a very, very good first episode with some very interesting discussions about what sober sex is for you. If you are struggling with chem sex, um, drop me a private message. I'm happy to listen. I'm happy to advise. Um, 
or any other members or join my group on Facebook on The Real Clear Fetish. And I'll see you next week, same time, where we will be talking with a local from London. Thank you. Keep it safe and play clear-headed.